what we've really focused on with AHIMA and our work is what are the documentation requirements for telehealth and how do we classify the diagnoses that are captured in that arena? And how do we make sure that patients have consented to their information being shared in that manner? How do we keep it safe and secure? Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. It's my great privilege and honor today to introduce my special guest, Catherine Lusk, uh, chair of the board for AHIMA, and she's just taken over recently in January. Catherine, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Patty. It was my honor to be here with you guys today. And you're right, I took over as the president chair for 2021 for the American Health Information Management Association. Quite an honor there. I'm so thrilled to be able to be in this position. And I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about AHIMA so that everyone is aware of the impact that we make. Sure. All right. AHIMA is the leading voice and authority in health information wherever that health information is created or stored, wherever it is found. Sometimes people get a little confused about that, but the AHIMA team, the AHIMA professionals oversee and manage health information, whether it's digital, voice, paper, however it may be created or however it may be stored. And our professionals work at the intersection of healthcare, technology, and business. And we have leaders at the front line and at the executive level. So we cover all of the spectrums. While people, including technology and patients, don't often see us, we see them in ways that no other healthcare um, professional does. AHIMA certified professionals ensure that sensitive health stories remain accurate, accessible, protected, and complete at all times. We see the person behind the data and we work to make sure that that data is secure. We're a global nonprofit association of health information professionals, about 78,000 strong. And we've been around for 93 plus years. In fact, I'm the 93rd president. Our mission is to empower people to impact health. And to say that was a rally call with COVID-19 would be an understatement. We, along with our IT partners, ran to the problem, working collaboratively and fervently to support the frontline care teams, providing guidance on disaster preparedness, telehealth documentation, and COVID-19 classification. And those are just a few examples. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, background. I'm sure some of my listeners uh, would have learned quite a few things about AHIMA that they may not have known earlier. I did not know, for instance, that AHIMA has been around such a long time. But it's wonderful to to hear about all the work and uh, obviously healthcare data in all its shapes and forms. 
is so pertinent and relevant in today's context as the industry goes through its transformation. And we'll talk about some of those aspects on this conversation. But before we jump into that, Catherine, would you care to share with us what your professional journey has been and how it led you to your current role at Ahima? Oh, I'd love to. I think it's inspiring because of if I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm from Gainesville, Texas, which is a small town in North Texas. And I went to work at 18 years of age at Gainesville Memorial Hospital. And I worked my way up from a clerk to become the director of health information management. And from there, I went to Fort Worth and worked in the Osteopathic Medical Center of Texas, which was an academic medical center focused on the geriatric population, where our average age was 83. And from there, I went to Children's Health System of Texas, which is a pediatric healthcare system where the average age is four. So I've worked at two very different spectrums of healthcare delivery. And you know what? The documentation and the rules and the governance and the and this empathy that needs to happen to support patients and families is the same regardless of the setting. So it's been nice for me. And I've done something um, very different recently. I've gone to work for the Texas Health Services Authority with a focus on health information exchange within Texas that includes public health. So I'm taking what I learned from the frontline at, at a local hospital to a geriatric um, healthcare system to a pediatric healthcare system and applying it on a state level on how can we exchange information in an accurate in complete manner across the state of Texas to improve healthcare delivery. I'm very, very excited, Patty. That does sound exciting. The title of this podcast is The Big Unlock. And the title for the podcast actually came from the title of my first book, which was about unlocking the value from data through analytics uh, that can improve healthcare outcomes. It can improve patient experiences through uh, digital health solutions that are built off of data that provides a better understanding of patients and their needs and healthcare consumers, really. Now, I wrote this book in 2017, and uh, I, I predicted a number of things would come true, and a number of things have come true from my predictions. But it also feels in many ways as if we are still in very early stages of harnessing data in a comprehensive way especially relative to other sectors. Would you agree with that? And what are you seeing across health systems in this regard, Catherine? You know, Patty, I would have to agree and disagree a little bit. And why I'm going to say that, and I'll qualify my answer, I think healthcare is beginning to harness data in efforts to improve patient safety with clinical decision support to identify duplicate tests and meaning um, to take advantage of tests completed at other organizations. And they're beginning to map data so that it appears within the electronic health record and allows the frontline care providers to have that information front and center. And they're beginning to look for different ways to streamline the administrative processes. And I believe that what's kind of curtailing us is normalizing the data across platforms and organizations, but I be believe that's beginning. 
most organizations in electronic health records have that normalizing data process down using SNOMED and then using like intelligent medical objects to translate that very diverse, nuanced clinical data into clinical languages and classification systems to normalize within themselves. And so the EMR vendors have have taken advantage of that and they normalize data within their own EMR vendors. But with carry quality and with the eHealth Exchange, that data normalization has occurred on a much broader spectrum. So I actually do think that things are much better than they were even in 2017. And the pandemic really kind of forced things to move along in a much more efficient manner and a much faster pace. And by that, what I mean, Patty, is that before the pandemic, there was lots of discussion about mapping laboratory um, test results across different EMR platforms so that they wouldn't have to be repeated and using LOINC codes. And it was lots of discussion and and hashing with pathologists and with um, other clinical care providers on how do you actually go about normalizing this data? But with the pandemic and COVID-19, people came together and figured it out. And so I think things are much better than they used to be. That's my stance on that. Now, are we where the banking industry is? No, Patty, but we're certainly closer than we were in 2017. I would accept that. I think that is a very fair assessment, Catherine. And you've been in the heart of some of these initiatives and efforts to bring about this normalization of data and promote interoperability. You mentioned the carry quality initiative, and we will touch upon some of that as well, because I do believe there is some unfinished business there, and we can talk about that, not just with regards to clinical data, but other sources of data and how we can pull them all in to create this uh, comprehensive view of the patients and uh, really, really move the industry forward. But before we get into that, would you like to share with us what are your key themes that you're focusing on your advocacy efforts uh, this year at AHIMA? We have a big year planned at AHIMA. In 2021, our advocacy agenda seeks to transform health and healthcare by connecting people, systems, and ideas. We've embraced three principles that directly align this envision and underpin our work, our outlook, and our advocacy efforts. Access, integrity, and connection. And I'm just going to kind of talk through the things that we are planning on doing this year. We're advocating for the use of accurate and timely data for public health responses and initiatives while protecting confidentiality, privacy, and security of individuals' health information. With the pandemic, we feel very strongly that public health was not supported sufficiently in the past, and we'd like to focus our attention on making sure that that sector of the ecosystem has the information they need. We are firm advocates for the individual's right to have timely and seamless access to their health information. We're consumer advocates. And in fact, we had a consumer advocacy pledge campaign earlier this year where we had our members reaffirm our pledge to consumer advocacy on having access to their records. And if you know anything at all about AHIMA, you know that we have been advocating for accurate patient identification to improve patient safety, interoperability, and the appropriate use of workforce resources. 
We also understand with the pandemic and with all of the um, social issues that we're currently experiencing, the value of social determinants of health to enrich clinical decision-making and improve health outcomes. We believe that public health and health inequities are diminished. Public health is supported and health inequities are diminished if we can gather this information in a culturally respectful manner and portray it accurately. We really believe in advancing a complete, accurate, and timeliness of data by influencing the development and maintenance of national and international coding standards. Where policy goes, so does the public. And um, I don't know if you know about it or not, Patty, but if you didn't, you know, I want to encourage you to join us. We um, started the Patient Identity Now Coalition, where we worked with three, um, six of our partners, the American College of Surgeons, CHIME, HIMSS, Intermountain Healthcare, and Premier. For it, with, it is a coalition of healthcare organizations that are really advocating discussion around a unique patient identifier. So if you haven't looked at that, I want to encourage everyone to look at patient ID now. That's one of our big initiatives. I will. I will. It seems like a fairly uh, full agenda in front of you at AHIMA this year. So let's let's peel back uh, a couple of layers on a couple of points that you made. And I do want to talk about uh, social determinants of health and this is data that is not necessarily available in a clinical setting. So the data is coming to us through various forms. And uh, again, you talked about uh, health inequities, which in the context of what we are now seeing as a shift towards virtual care and telehealth and digital health and so on, translates to what people are now referring to as a digital divide. And so all of this eventually goes back to having a really solid understanding of patients, their socioeconomic circumstances, and how to really make sure that healthcare is inclusive for all, even if we're moving towards a technology-enabled digital health future. So can you touch upon maybe one or two things uh, in the context of, let's say, telehealth, which obviously in the wake of the pandemic has been on a tear, Can you talk to us a little bit about how this growth in telehealth needs to be viewed in the context of AHIMA's mission and your priorities? Oh, I sure can. Well, the convenience of telehealth has changed delivery models, hasn't it, Patty? I mean, telehealth was being embraced prior to the pandemic, but with the pandemic, it was just wholesale embracing it. And it moved healthcare delivery from solely um, brick and mortar into the virtual arena, which we all knew it was going to get there, but it got there so much faster. And so what we've really focused on with AHIMA and our work is what are the documentation requirements for telehealth and how do we classify the diagnoses that are captured in that arena? And how do we make sure that patients have consented to their information being shared in that manner? How do we keep it safe and secure? So that's really our focus for virtual health is making sure that the patient's information is safe and secure, making sure that the encounter is documented in such a way that it completely explains the encounter, but not be overburdensome. We did talk about social determinants of health, and I think there's there's a number of 
use cases and studies out there that have clearly demonstrated how social determinants of health can really make a difference in uh, healthcare outcomes. The flip side of that is that when we go to clinicians, they might be a little selective about what they accept as data for the purpose of making clinical decisions. Now, for instance, if I go to my PCP, my PCP is not interested in what's on my Apple Fitness data. They, I mean, they look at it if I want them to look at it, but they don't necessarily integrate that into their uh, diagnosis or protocols or anything like that. Now, as you look at this vast emerging ecosystem of data sources, and you know what I refer to as just one of them, but there are other data sources out there, genomics data, for instance, and there's a whole lot of other data sources that are emerging. Where do you think is the challenge in uh, us being able to harness all of that? Is it a technology challenge? It is a data quality challenge? Is it is just a challenge with policies in health systems? Where is the trifecta, if you will? You know, Penny, I believe it's probably a data quality challenge because it's like all other clinical data. When we began the journey, we had to figure out how to normalize the data, didn't we? And we had to translate that clinical language into SNOMAD and accurately capturing that in the electronic health record and then transferring that to a clinical language or to classification system. So I believe social determinants of health are our next step on that clinical journey. So um, while they're not widely used now, there are, we do capture some with ICD-10. Now, do, are there more that is needed? Absolutely. But I believe that as we go through this journey, that data normalization process, Patty, as we begin to utilize this information and embrace these concepts, will only get better and better. Let's talk a little bit about uh... Privacy. I think you, you made a reference to that in, uh, in one of your earlier comments about AHIMA's advocacy efforts uh, this year. So what is the state of the union today in your view, Catherine, as it relates to uh, patient privacy? Are there adequate privacy safeguards, especially when we see data being uh, moved to the cloud, for instance, or uh, now that we've got the final interoperability ruling that's coming up and patients are now going to have access to their own data and can share it with anyone they like, what should we be careful about? I think that the, the thing that we worry about at AHIMA the most is um, apps and um, patients and families using these apps and not really understanding that how their information might be shared and how that they have really given away the most personal thing they have, which is their clinical information to an app without completely understanding that that information might be sold to someone else, might be used for marketing, might be used for um, a vendor's personal financial benefit, and it might not be protected. And so I think that's our one of our biggest concerns. Now, I personally love an app and I love the convenience. And unlike everyone else, I have a Garmin and my husband has a Fitbit and we we track our health and, and we take advantage of, of all those things. And we also do 23andMe, but from an AHEMA standpoint, we want to make sure that patients and families and individuals like you and I understand that we are giving away pieces of our very personal information. And we wanted that information to be kept secure and private. The wrinkle is, is that 
Healthcare organizations are ruled by HIPAA. And so patients and families, and you and I, believe that our healthcare information is protected. We're forced to sign HIPAA requirements when we go to the physician's office or to an ED or anything like that. So we're lulled into this feeling that healthcare information is so sacred and that it's so protected. But then when we give that information to an app or to a personal health record in a portal, that information is not held to the same standards and so we want to make sure at AHIMA that people understand that, that the convenience is great. And we we really, truly want that and believe in that. We want to make sure that everyone understands that they're not following the same rules of engagement and to be very considerate of that. Yeah. And, and you mentioned HIPAA. Many of these uh, app vendors may or may not be covered entities or BAAs or come within the purview of HIPAA in a way we are we are used to expecting from all of our vendors. And so you're one step uh, further removed from any kind of compliance. And so you're, what you're really saying here is that once you've given away your information, you can't put it back. The genie is out of the bottle. You can't put it back and you have no idea where it's going to end up. And it might just end up somewhere in a way that it ultimately turns around and harms you in some way, shape or form. Am I reading you correctly? Oh, you're absolutely spot on, Patty. I mean, it is such a, a big concern of ours and and we want the convenience, but we want to make sure that the convenience is supported in a secure manner that maintains a person's right to privacy. Yeah. Well, now we have seen a big expansion of the digital health ecosystem. So the app economy that you refer to, it's mm-hmm. it's thriving. There's billions and billions in venture capital going into digital health startups that are finding some sliver of information that they can monetize in some way and create a new product or experience, an online experience for patients and consumers. And, you know, a lot of consumers seem to like it. And in many cases, the clinicians are also recommending it and encouraging people to use it. We talked about telehealth. That's a great example of that. So on the one hand, we do want to encourage all of this because that is where the future is. At the same time, we want to be careful about the downsides. What is your advice for uh, startups and uh, digital health companies that really, really want to go deep into the data and take the data and combine it and use it and analyze it and create new offerings out of it? What is your advice to them to safeguard the data, but also to be successful with it, right? Ultimately, innovation and progress is what we're looking for as well. Oh, Patty, that's wonderful. Well, my advice to them is be the cream that rises to the top. People will choose to use their apps if they are convenient, useful, safe, and secure. What I would also say that is when you develop these apps, these healthcare apps, you want to be able to normalize that data and integrate it into the longitudinal record of care, don't you? You don't want it to be standalone. So these apps need to understand the clinical languages and the classification systems that the big EHR vendors understand. Now, they will have a focused review, but it's still a depth of knowledge that that they need to to have it with them. And I would also advise that they use standards and that they look at what those standards are and not be frightened of them, but to embrace them so that they can leverage those standards and integrate with the EHR. 
and for them to understand that they are a cog in the healthcare wheel, that we're all cogs in the healthcare wheel. And we've got to figure out how to integrate the data into the entire ecosystem so it can be shared with everyone. What I would suggest that they do selfishly, since I'm of this profession, I would say that they should engage a health information management professionals to help them understand the clinical language or classification system for data mapping and to serve as a guiding hand with patient privacy. This discipline actually serves in that middle space, and I think it could be very, very helpful to them. Yeah. Well, if I were to summarize that, I'm paraphrasing you here, adopt standards, be interoperable with uh, the EHR systems, but also with other similar applications, take care of patient privacy and protect their privacy with all the applications. And uh, last but not least, you, you referred to us being cogs in the wheel. I like to say that healthcare is a team sport and we're all part of the same team. Would you agree with that? Oh, I absolutely, Patty. Healthcare is a team sport and the patient is the um, captain of the team, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Catherine, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. On that note, I guess we will leave it there for today. But I'm very excited for you and your role in uh, at AHIMA. And I wish you all the very, very best. And I will be closely following all of the advocacy efforts. And I will check out uh, the Patients Now uh, portal. Patient you, ID Now. Patient ID Now portal. And I will also put in a plug for that with my listeners. Thank you again, Catherine, for setting aside time to be on our show and all the very best. All right. Thank you for having me, Patty. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partner, Powbox. Secure email for modern healthcare right out of the box.